Happy New Year. Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. Oh, what a busy first show. Here's what's to come. Uh, naturist Ray Mears. He's not a nudist. I mean, he just loves nature. Uh, joins me to chat about his We Are Nature tour. Comedian Ellie Taylor fills in on the series of The Great Pottery Throwdown. Actress Claire Sweeney speaks to us about her role in the UK tour of Dolly Parton's 95 The Musical. And BAFTA-winning director Joe Wright talks to me about his latest film, Cyrano. But before we hear from our wonderful guests, let's chat to Maria to solve the first problems of the year in Graham's Guide. 2020-2022. Yes, and happy birthday to you and me and them in the... Behind the glass, yeah, Anar, and the and jingles, the, and the jingles, and, the, and even that, even and the Maria, all yeah. of us, and the jingles. <laughs> um, how has the how has a year gone past? How has it been only a year? <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are relevant and true. true. Yes, it does feel a bit like that, but I mean, a lot of it was COVID related. So, yes, time is now concertinaed and telescoped, hasn't it? It's so strange. I just don't know. I haven't known where I am for some days, but that, that could be. That just could be an age thing. Yeah, you know, ah, you'll sober up eventually. No, I mean where I am in terms of what day it is. It's not sober. Okay. Um, sorry, sorry it, for uh, sorry for maligning your reputation. Yes, for exactly, Graham. Exactly. I did my Christmas Day swim this year. It was first year for five years that it was very dank and grey and cold, but still a marvelous turnout. Can I say? Oh, really? Yes. Uh, but wow, people are nuts, aren't they? <laughs> And, but is there at least a vat of mulled wine to get you to the other well, side? Well, we normally do a vat of mulled wine, but, however, this year we couldn't because didn't want to encourage people to be together. Oh, sorry, I, th- I thought someone was trying to tell me something. But, they are. Uh, are they? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, sorry, you didn't have a vat, vat of mulled wine. <laughs> not that day. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> have I got your full attention or not? Well, you didn't, but now you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm ahead of the game, Graham. My tree is down. The doctivity is dismantled. Well done. This is good. Because last year your Christmas tree was up till about, I don't know, March or something. Yeah, and then it went outside without the decorations. But now this year I'm kind of going, OK, new year. Let's go. I came back and my tree was gone. What? I Somebody know. stole it. Well, I, no, I think, I think the cleaner did it. Cleaner stole it. Well, yes. Yeah, so probably, yeah, they'll probably put it in storage for next year. They'll probably open I mean, a cupboard and find it. I mean, that's quite a nice it. job for somebody, you know, that somebody's done that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I'm sort of freaked out because I'd arranged someone, like, because I got it from a company that come and collect it. You know, right. they come and take it yes, away again. Yes, I've got one of those. It's gone. So, I, you know, they'll be knock, knock, knock. I'll go, I'm so sorry, but... I, so I don't know where... Because I, I haven't seen the cleaner since, so I don't know where it is. This is a mystery. We it is a Miss mystery. Marple. We need yeah. Vera on this. <laughs> I did have... Um, I'm wearing sweatpants today, Graham, as you can see. Yes, I can. Um, because, obviously, we have all gained a little bit of weight over the Christmas festivities. Speak for yourself. Have you not? No! I'm annoyed by that. <laughs> don't be so smug. I drank I a bit have. too much Baileys, or as I like to call it, Christmas milk. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> it was it was my go-to breakfast over my cocoa pops. Mmm, mm, that's the best. It was the best. Uh, so, uh, the tracks are uh, the tracksuit because you've expanded to that that extent. I've expanded. Have you pulled the ripcord? Have no, you, have I you let go. I haven't pulled the ripcord yet. But um, you know, jeans bit tight, and that makes you annoyed. Weather's horrible. That makes you annoyed. Don't want jeans being too tight. No. But but tracksuit is you know a fool's paradise because you think ah oh, lovely tracksuit mmm cake <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing to stop you and then suddenly 
bad things. There are no yeah. barriers to the fatness. But no, we're under control. We're back in the gym. Well, you look... Mar- I haven't got back there yet. You look marvellous. Uh, have you got some letters? You haven't got your glasses on. What? <laughs> exactly. You said oh. you look marvellous. I oh, said yeah. you haven't got your glasses on. And you're I very far away. I have got letters. Yes, indeed, <laughs> I have. Virgin Radio. I'm going to read you the first problem of the year. Oh, <gasps> OK. Dear Graham and Maria, I live with my partner and her 11-year-old daughter. The elder sister often posts us gifts, ornaments, art, crockery (laughs) and whatnot for our house, for birthdays and for Christmas. Lovely. But she always goes for a style of ornamental item that we'd never dream of choosing ourselves. It seems to me that she just buys items that she likes and they are exactly to her taste and then sends them to us. I know I need to explain to her that she should stop wasting her money on things we don't need or want in our house, but please note, she is very overbearing, difficult and often unpleasant, and I don't think she'd take kindly to hearing that her gifts are unwanted. We've just bought a new house and she's already invited herself for a visit, so I'm sure she'll be looking around to make sure things are out on display. This has been going on for three years now, so maybe it's too late to nip it in the bud. Please advise, exclamation mark, and that is from Maria in Ireland. I'm sure my namesake there. Oh, um, Maria in Ireland, you're absolutely right. It is too late to nip it in the bud. So, um, you know, there's an element of sort of uh, ingratitude. Is that the right word? But from who? From Maria in, in Ireland, yes. For, for somebody who has thought about things that, you know, she likes. People always buy presents that they like, really, you know. So, and um, <laughs> she's given you these things. And you should have said, um, I'd much rather you do something else with it or you buy us what we need or something like that a long time ago because now you have a house full of stuff for your birthdays and things and you'll have to put it all out on display when she comes to visit. Um, You say she's difficult, overbearing, often unpleasant. I mean, this sounds like a terrible person, but she is buying you gifts. Um, Horrible gifts. Horrible (laughs) gifts. So I think what you have to do now is say, we have enough, we've just got a new house... And we've changed our style, and this is our style now, very different to the things that she buys you. Or we're going minimalist, and we've decided that this is going to be the new look, so we don't know. And we have everything we need. We are lucky indeed. So we would like to suggest that we all donate some money to a charity for Christmas and birthday presents, if you so desire. We absolutely do not need any more little tchotchkes. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, yes, it's too late to nip it on the bud. I would say you let the bud wither on the vine. How do you do that then, You Graham? just let her come to the house and see that nothing she ever bought you is there. And she'll ask and you'll go, oh, we, did, we didn't really fit, think they fitted into this house. Oh, no, that means confrontation. Well, face to your, face your, as well. But your thing of saying we have enough now, please stop buying us things, that's confrontation. I know, but that's not saying your stuff isn't out. When she comes to visit, have the stuff out. No, people like this, people like this force you. In the end, they force you to be rude. Graham is getting exercised by this now. Well, because, like, get the hint. Like, no one's ever kind of gone, oh, it's gorgeous. You just open things and go, thank you. That's it. (laughs) A flat thank you. The 11-year-old pretty cries. Open things and just go, oh. Oh. Oh, that's not really our colour. Or, or when you get anything from under the tree, you go, oh, it's from Auntie Thingy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
get it doesn't even get opened. That's how excited and enthusiastic you are. Yeah. But I think the damage has been done for the last three years, and you have not opened your mouth, Maria, in Ireland to say to stop this. But now you have to stop it. But for the moment, the things that she, she's given you, you must be grateful for. But I think. You can stop it by trying to do a nice kind of philanthropic thing and say, let's give the money to charity in future. We do not want any more. We do not need any more. There are lots of people that don't have enough. Or, or here's another idea. Yes. Um, if the house, the lovely new house, is big enough to have a guest room, which put all the be, things put in everything there. she's ever bought you in that room. <laughs> Have a, have a display cabinet. No, maybe a museum still of her. in the bed. <laughs> when she pulls back the sheets, there's a little toy squirrel carrying a bag of nuts in crockery. <laughs> oh, just with them in a big bag with her name and address on them. Uh, it, I, I mean, unwanted gifts are difficult, particularly when they're... Cause one or two are fine, but if there's loads of them... Like well, this, also, if it's, a, if it's a cascade of unwanted gifts that you know are going to keep coming, um, I do think you have to put a stop to it or find an alternative or just say to them, actually, what I'm saving up for this year or the daughter is saving up for this year, she doesn't want a squirrel with a bag of nuts in crockery, um, <laughs> is, you know, some Adidas trainers or Nike trainers or any other sort of trainers that are hip and happy. Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah, 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 man. Um, and so then, you know, people don't like giving money, though, do they? No. They'd much rather give something that you But also, you, you don't have... want this creature let loose in your shoes, do you? I mean... You no, know. but you'll get your... Not on the shoes. No, you... that's the trouble. She will, though. She'll go... She'll buy. You want shoes? I'll give you shoes. In crockery with <laughs> yeah. little laces. Oh, yeah. Some crockery um, uh, clogs. <laughs> <laughs> the double as a vase. I don't think she's that nutty. My favourite responses today will be receiving a bottle of secret seller Pinot Grigio from South Africa. It's uh, wonderfully crisp. Yes, it is. Uh delicious combination of white peach and fresh crisp topical fruits it's currently a third off in Waitrose Great January Savings event if you fancy getting a bottle yourself if you're not in it in the uh, in the advice stakes anyway what should she do Colin from Somerset writes Maria should just leave a few unpacked removal boxes lying around and when the person comes around just tell her you haven't got round to unpacking everything yet that's that's good but that's, that's a delaying technique you know, you can't leave those backing boxes there forever. If pressed, tell her some things are in storage whilst you sort out the house. OK, Colin, that's a Band-Aid. That's not a, that's not a cure. Uh, Dave in Gloucester, suggest a present amnesty and go out for an annual meal with her in its place. A couple of hours together must be a better option than a, a gifted tat for a lifetime. I refer you to the fact that uh, <laughs> that she is overbearing, difficult and often unpleasant. I think you might prefer the tat than having dinner with her uh, once a year. Anyway, there you go. Phil is in Mountain Ash. Lucky Phil. I'd send a gift back to the sister. Marie Kondo's book. <laughs> Say it's your new go-to. And it doesn't nothing that she gets sparks joy. We know that. Ask if she'd like the offending items back or whether you should give them to charity. You'll have to keep the house very tidy and clear when she visits, so be ready. I mean, that is the thing. If you're setting yourself up to kind of go overall minimal now and then she comes around and go, what? <laughs> what about all that? What about that mug tree? What's that about? Uh, Janet. Janet says, What a shame that it's all the sister's previous gifts that were lost in the move. Tell her you've got so many things you need for the new house that you've prepared a list, a bit like a wedding list. 
Mm-hmm. You could do that. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to give the uh, bottle, the delicious bottle of Secret Seller Pinot Grigio to ba, 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 uh, Colin from Somerset. Because at least it's some sort of solution. It's a temporary solution, but it's some sort of solution. Graham's Guide. I'm, I'm going to read you another problem, whether oh, you like one. it or not. Another one. Another one. You have two of them. Yes. Oh. That's how this it's works. endless. OK. <laughs> Dear Graham and Maria, our long-term friend Samira has been in a relationship for the past three years. They started dating just before the lockdown. Is that three years ago? What? And he wasn't getting any work during this time as his industry was stalled by the pandemic. However, since the world has been up and running... Has it? He's still not been staggering, working. Staggering, staggering. <laughs> Up and running, yes. Drunk and stagger. We're starting to wonder, did he ever work? Samira works hard at her full-time job in the care sector and is currently paying for all their shared expenses. Here we go. We've spoken with her about the situation and Samira's spoken to her partner, but nothing has changed. And it doesn't seem like he's even looking for a part-time job at all. They live together and have recently adopted a rescue dog, Uh which we feel is a sticking (laughs) plaster. Thought this through, haven't they? To make matters worse, they're now considering a move away from the city to live in splendid isolation. Samira isn't really the type to readily divulge her feelings, but we don't want her to end up hurt and taken advantage of. What should we do? And that's from Jules and Jimmy in Liverpool. I mean, very caring friends, Jules and Jimmy in Liverpool, that you're keeping an eye out for her. But there's a point at which you have to actually step back and let people make their own mistakes. I don't know where we're at on that level quite yet, but it does sound like it's a little bit iffy. Now, I just want to know, Samira works in the care sector, if they're going into splendid isolation, who's going to be earning the money because she's not going to be able to work in the care sector in splendid isolation so how are they going to live? Uh, I don't think they should move into a new place together without him committing to some form of uh, payment um, or shared expenses because basically he's freeloading with your friend Samira she probably loves him. She doesn't want to lose him. All of those things. But at what point... You're right, Jules and Jimmy. At what point does she say, I can't shoulder this anymore? Especially if we're moving to a new place. We've got the dog now. We're leaving the city. We've got to work. How are we going to live? But also, don't you think there's a, there's a whiff of kind of controlling and manipulation From here? Jules and Jimmy? No. From oh. the the no worky boyfriend, well, because I don't know. you kind of think, of, oh, we've got a dog together now, and now he's trying to move her away from the friends who are quite rightly going, hello, we're waving some red flags here, yeah, because that guy hasn't worked for three years. Well, you and- say control and manipulation, but you know she's been with him for three years, and obviously, you know these things, of course, you know coercive control can be very slow and insidious. But sh- you you need to have a willing partner. I'd like to know a bit more about Samira's past and how she's what the relationships she's had before, because sometimes you just keep making them the same mistakes again. So I do think, even though she's not telling you anything, Jules and Jimmy in Liverpool, you do have to sit her down and say, this could go horribly wrong. And we really are trying to stop you doing that before you, you know, ruin your life, have no money at all and a dog and are stuck in splendid isolation. That sounds like a terrible place to be. But at least look for a job. I mean, okay. 
if you can't find one, you can't find one. But if you come home and you kind of, and, you know, they're sat where they were when you left and, you know, you still have to feed the dog. Yeah. <laughs> and what, you know, kind of like, what's going on here? Well, it what? says also it doesn't even look like he's looking for a part-time job. Yeah. Why is he only having a part-time job? Well, because it's better than no job. Oh, OK. <laughs> it's baby steps, Maria. Well, baby I know, steps. but maybe he's saying we, I can't have a full-time job because of the dog. Yeah, we've got a dog M- now. Maybe that yeah, was... I mean, that's, you know... Maybe now that was the theory. I'd love to work, but now we've got a dog. I mean, dogs can stay <laughs> yeah. on their own for It was my us. dream to go back to work, but you rescued that dog and now look. The yeah. bottom line, Samira cannot afford to prop up two people and a rescue dog, however lovely that rescue dog is. The rescue dog should stay... <laughs> The man yeah. should go. Yeah, keep how, the dog. How do we do that, though? Keep and the dog. And then she's going to be lonely and she's going to blame Jules and and whoever it was. Jimmy in <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> Jules and Jimmy in Liverpool. No, she'll thank them. Eventually. Yeah, because she'll have so much more money. She'll be on the, you know, living in the back but of the But don't you hog. think, Graham, people do sacrifice an awful lot because it's better than not having a partner at all. See, I know people do do that. That makes no sense to me. Well, I agree with you, but for some people, they would rather just pay for everybody for everything and have somebody that they can call their own. Because the thing is, I always think better to be miserable by yourself than to be miserable with someone else. But she won't even be miserable by herself. She'll have a lovely dog. Yeah, but she'll be poor. If no. she's with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. She'll be richer if she's just her so and the dog. So we're basically saying, Samira, you need to give the heave. Yeah, the dog will have nicer dog food. You <laughs> will be dressed better. Your hair will get done more often. Uh, it's a win-win, I think. Uh, unless, miraculously, he hears this and thinks, oh, game's up, I better get a job. I would like Jules and Jimmy to let us know what happens. All right, what should they do? Oh, dear. Uh, Sarah in Cornwall writes... Given that Samira works in the care sector, who we know are desperately seeking new staff, perhaps she could bring a job application from home for home for uh, application form home for her partner. If he doesn't want to complete it, she will know his true intentions. Good call, Sarah. Because if you, yeah, if you lead the horse to the and doesn't drink, then you know, you know that horse is not thirsty. Bundy and Cheadle, here we go. Oh, the the year has flown by. Bundy and Cheadle's back in Graham's Guide. Samira's entitled to make her own decisions. It sounds like she's not headed for a good situation. But if so, that's where you come in. Pick her up, dust her down and set her back with a bit of a booster. If the mistakes we make in life... It's the mistakes we make in life that are the best lessons. I wouldn't offer to walk the dog, though. As to, I, you know, and I, I agree with you, Bunty, to an extent. The mistakes in life are our best lessons if we learn from them. The problem is you do see people making the same mistake over and over again. So, you know, Samira might leave this relationship and suddenly she's with another guy who, oh, mysteriously has lost his job. So, uh, yeah, I, but you're right. Basically, I think Jules and Jimmy need to be there, don't they? They need to be the ones kind of at least so she knows she's got something to fall back on. They're going to be there to support her. Ian Preston, write Samira a letter. We hope you will be happy. We worry he is manipulating you, but you are free to make your own choices. We will always be here for you. Well, you could just say that to her, really. I mean, you know. It's nice of you to write a letter. You've written to us. I mean, clearly you have form. But uh, I, I think that's the sort of thing you could say to somebody's face. Because, uh, yes, you don't want to say, don't do it. 
But but at the same time, you need to say, look, we're worried about you. Da, da, da. Um, Simon and Epsom. Sounds like he's certainly freeloading and is quite possibly already controlling at home and showing wider controlling behaviour by trying to move Samira to a more isolated location away from friends. Dump him and send him into isolation. Ooh. Thank you very much, Simon. And thanks for all your responses. Um, the bottle of Secret Cellar Pinot Grugio, courtesy of Waitrose, I'm going to send to Sarah in Cornwall, because I think it's the most practical advice. Like, bring home a job application, and if he's not filling it in, you know something's gone horribly wrong. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, he is in. We've rescued him from the wild. Ray Mears joins us now. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm very good. Very good. How are you? I'm very well, too. So this is exciting. We Are Nature, an invitation to reconnect with the natural world. It's a 40-day tour. Uh, you kick off in Shrewsbury on the 22nd of February, and then it's 40 days all around the country, ending in Portsmouth uh, on the 9th of April. Um, so if you go, what happens? Oh, well, I mean, um, the tour is all about our senses and how we can make better use of them. Um, if you want... Uh, if you if we take a closer look at the natural world we will discover it's more amazing than we ever realized and each of us has hardwired into our system incredibly incredible sensory abilities our sense of smell hearing sight taste everything is incredible but today the way we live we don't use but a fraction of it and what i want to try and do if i succeed is to switch on and turn up the volume to people's internal radios, if you like, to, to, to yeah. turn the volume up to what we're receiving all the time so that we start to notice more around us. And, of course, it, it, what's interesting is, you know, I think people, if they want to connect with nature, they often think, oh, well, I'll go somewhere else. I'll go to a, a tropical rainforest or I'll go to a safari or something. Yeah. But because of the last two years, you know, it's time, <laughs> it's time to look closer to home. You can look closer to home. I mean, to start with, you're exploring the nature within. And, and, and our abilities are truly astonishing. I mean, 40 years ago, when I started to research all this stuff, they said, the human can identify 10,000 different scents. And I thought at the time, that that's not enough. We must be able to determine more than that. And now they're saying it's a trillion. So, wow. you know, it's really interesting. And that our senses are as good as other animals, in some cases, better. And we're always sort of putting ourselves down. This is This is an opportunity to discover how good our senses are and, and when you use them you find you scratch an itch you didn't know you had because it's so satisfying you know all of a sudden the world around you becomes more dynamic and safer um so yeah it's brilliant but also isn't that thing where you, if you go for a walk down a country lane you can have a nice time but actually if you do recognize smells or if you do notice things or know the name of that bird or know the name of that tree the walk is so much more. Yep, exactly that. And you, you'll notice not just, um, you might see a deer, but you not just see a deer, but you'll, you'll start to recognise its, its species, its sex, its condition and its behaviour. So, you know, one of the joys for me of, of, of the lockdown, you have to make the most of it, yeah. was watching uh, the local roe deer. And I got to, to know this roe doe quite well. We saw each other on a daily basis. And then one day, I noticed she was behaving a little differently. And so I stood in the shadows and I looked, took a closer look and I noticed that she was no longer pregnant. Literally two, two minutes before she'd given birth. And I couldn't see 
her her kid it was you know because they're, they're very low to the ground but I just stood quietly and I didn't disturb her didn't let her see me and a few moments later there she was encouraging it to take its first stand in the world and it was just a privilege to see that but if I hadn't you know switched my my alertness on I would have just said oh yes it's a deer yeah it's looking more closely now, was that you, obviously, in a rural setting where... Yeah. But in presumably in an urban setting, like in the middle of town, yeah. there's still a lot of things to look at, a there's, lot of things to observe. It, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, you know, we're here in your studio looking out across the, the, the cityscape of London and we see all these tall buildings, but to Peregrine Falcon, those are cliffs. So they don't make a differentiation. You know, just because we've built buildings, this is still wild country to wildlife. They see it differently to us. Yeah. And so, uh, presumably, this is a great th- show if you've got parents who are trying to switch their kids on to this stuff, who's trying to get them away from a screen. Uh, this is a very good kind of a way to open up the world to them. It's a great way. And children are the best naturalists because they ask, they ask the best questions because they're not inhibited by asking a question. You know, they are, the, the hardest question I've ever been asked was by a six-year-old who said to me, what is nature? You know, I still can't remember what I said. I've you know, fluffed the answer. Yeah. Um, Raymere's God has spoken. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great fun. And I think there is, a, there's so much more to be seen in the world. And it's about, it's taking the time to, to, to find those things and to notice more. And tell I mean, you must be asked this question all the time, but I'm not proud. I will ask it as well. Uh, but have your uh, you sound like Liam Neeson now. You know your special set of skills. <laughs> has, your, has your special set of skills helped you? Do you think coping in the last two years? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, it gave me the. I mean, I, obviously, my work involves traveling a lot, so it's just, to be home, I actually. To start with, it was great because it was like I have a reason not to uh, keep keep tabs on everything that's going on locally. And and 2020, the spring of 2020 was amazing. I mean, the blossom was incredible. The bees were amazing. And then 2021, we had that that cold spell in the spring, and you could see that real contrast. And you could feel an empathy for the bees that struggled where I am last year, whereas the the year before, you know, they, they'd made hay on, on on the apple blossom. So, yeah, no, it was pretty special. Your woodlore courses, because this this show is kind of based. I mean, am I right? It's kind of based on things that people might learn on your woodlore yeah. woodlore courses. Yeah. Where and they're residential. Were they presumably they all stopped? No, we were able to run courses. Of course, we were completely outdoors. From the moment we were able to, we ran courses. Okay. And it was totally liberating because we were outdoors. Uh, we did all the sensible things, you know, the hand washing, social distancing, and obviously ventilation makes all the difference. And we had a brilliant uh, time with people. It was just lovely. Everyone was just like, thank God to be out, you know. <laughs> and the hardest thing, I think, was leaving being out and coming back in because you then had to think more you know things are more difficult so yeah it was really liberating and how does that work are the individuals or the, is it groups that book the woodlore yeah, these courses? are all individuals and uh the courses all run outdoors so people are camping where you know we're not indoors in any sense yeah, in that yeah, regard yeah, yeah so no, they're pretty special and has this been your passion since you were a kid? Or do you remember a moment when a switch got turned on yeah, and Ray Mears became since since I was about eight and uh, and the joy of it is that you you never stop learning 
and I, you know, I've been doing this coming up to this 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 year coming up to be fifty years. And I'm still learning, and and I think that is the most amazing. The only problem is you realise that life is running out, and there are more questions you're going to have than you're going to have time to answer. Life's not running out, Ray. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're Don't talk like that. Life's running out. Well, when you, when you have so many questions to answer, ask, answer yeah, no, it's uh, it's challenging. And when did you turn it into like a living? When did you turn it into a, a, a way to make money? Ah, uh, 1983. Okay. And how did you do that? What was the first I just, thing? You... I just got on with it and just decided I was going to do this and set up and away I went. And there was nothing like it at the time. Nobody understood what it was. And um, it spread by word of mouth. And, and now, you know, it's an industry and there are lots of people out there doing it. And that's great. And it's, it's such a wonderful way to involve young people, people of all ages in nature. And... Um, for me, the greatest joy is when I take people into really wild country, when I guide people on canoe trips or, or, or in the Arctic or in, the, in, in Africa. And you take people where there's a real threat or there's real dangers and you show them how to be safe and you dispel the fear. That, that to me, is, a, is, a, is part of the magic. And but presumably you shouldn't dispel all the fear. <laughs> No, fear, fear is, a, is an interesting thing. Fear is it's really a process of anticipation. If you think of a danger ahead of you, then you feel fear. Actually, when you're in the wilderness, certainly, and you, you encounter a dangerous situation, it happens so quickly, there's no time to fear it. You have to get on with it. Yeah. But, but if you watch television, you only ever watch the, the thing, programs that tell you how dangerous something is. If you then encounter that thing in the wild, you're going to be terrified. And, and what, what I learned from the Kalahari Bushmen is that in their stories, all their stories about how they outwit the dangerous animals in the wild, because they live alongside them, they can't afford to be afraid. What's the stickiest situation you've ever found yourself in where you thought, well, this might be, I've run out of Gosh, questions? There have been lots. You know, I've obviously had encounters with crocodiles and bears and lions and helicopter crashes and things, all sorts of things. You know, it's travelling in wild places isn't, isn't without risk, but I've never been harmed, never come to any harm. So, yeah, it's all about managing. If you're guiding in the outdoors, risk management is something you do on a on a minute by minute basis because the weather changes, the circumstances changes, the people you're with change. Sometimes yeah. somebody may have an injury, so it's something you get good at. You get a sec you get a sixth sense for a problem, and the secret is to listen to that inner voice that says this is something you should attend to now, not not later. Yes, I don't know what it's about me, but my Facebook keeps showing me videos of elephants attacking things. I don't know why <laughs> they, they keep coming up, and elephants aren't that dangerous, are they? No, elephants can be very dangerous, and in certain <laughs> circumstances, so. Obviously, if female elephants are protecting calves or feel that you're a threat to them, then watch out because they, like any mum, they're going to defend themselves. And um, when the males are in must, which is it, it, they're engorged with testosterone, then they become really cranky. And um, there's a there's a thought that they they get like a toothache when their temporal lobes uh, swell, which makes them angry, and they can be really dangerous. But it, you know, but these are things that we can recognise. We can see the signs and avoid those dangers. And that's the secret. Avoid danger. It's, it's the key. It's the key. At Ray Mears, We Are Nature, an invitation to reconnect with the natural world, is a new 40-day tour from Ray. Uh, you can get tickets at raymears.com. Raymears.com. And you'll see a list of all the cities he's going to. You are, I mean, 40 dates is no mean thing. Like, they, you're doing it. Do you, do you know, it's brilliant because you get to see Britain. 
you get to see Britain better than the politicians do. You see those those towns that are doing well. You see those towns that are struggling, and you get a real view of the people there. I love that. I love meeting people, and uh, it'll be special after all that we've been through to you know to to hear people's voices and the different accents up and down the country. I love it. And when I drive around England, which I don't do much, I look out the window and go, "Oh, it's England, isn't it?" Do you see differences? Do you think kind of think, "Oh, this this part of the this geography, this." whatever is very very different to the place i've just been i do exactly that and i like if i have the time i like to maybe not take the main routes but take the side routes and follow the geology follow the rivers follow the ridges the valleys the hills and i look out at the different habitats so from in the peak district you know i'm thinking about the the, the birds that i could find up on the cliffs and how uh, you know, different species different wildlife i notice the different trees where there's overgrazing which is a lot of in britain and in the autumn i can even sometimes smell the fungi you know that, that, that as, as i'm driving i open the windows oh, oh yeah amazing lovely to see you ray thank you very much for coming Andrew in Graham, yep. and, uh, safe home travel safe thank you all there, the best. it's a dangerous world out there just be- <laughs> <laughs> I've got my yeah. mask. london bridge <laughs> <laughs> it's scary <laughs> the graham norton radio show with waitrose you can taste when it's waitrose virgin radio time to meet my second guest of the day uh, a stand-up that i'm regular on lots of panel shows like mock the week eight out of ten cats and a regular on the mash report she's now presenting series five of the great pottery to- throwdown her name is ellie taylor and she's joining us now hello ellie hi graham how are you i'm very well all the better for talking to you um, so this is like a, is it like a job share you're doing on the great pottery throwdown <laughs> It's a new way of doing things. Yes. Yeah, so what happened is Siobhan, who usually Siobhan McSweeney, who usually hosts the show, unfortunately broke her leg really badly um, a few weeks before they started filming the series. So they needed someone to um, to jump in for her, and they said, Ellie, would you like to spend a few months in Stoke? And I said, you try and stop me. So are, are, is it one of those shows where you're all in a bubble? Do you know, no, I, the series previously it was, but we weren't in a bubble for this. It was all very COVID secure and there were sort of lots of, lots of masks and there was a lot of protocol into place. But no, I wasn't, I wasn't bubbled up with everyone. Oh, OK, because it seemed quite, you know, you all seemed quite, you know, close. <laughs> oh, do you mean that we got on well? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about the show is that it's, it's genuinely as delightful as it appears on camera. It's the, it's the loveliest job I've ever done. Everyone is sickeningly lovely. Uh, what's the name? I'm used to names. What's the name of the the larger potter, the one who favours an apron? Uh, who? who uh, like the judges, the two judges. Oh, do you mean Keith, the one who cries all the yes. time? Yes. I mean, oh. is he okay? Because I mean, normally, if Mary <laughs> Berry sheds a tear, I shed a tear. But but Pete, you're just saying, all right, love. <laughs> Keith <laughs> cries all. Yes. I mean, I think in the first show it was five times. That was quite exceptional. <laughs> um, but he does it off camera as well. He can get very very effusive talking about pottery i assume he needs to be hooked up to some kind of iv fluids after each show because he's so dehydrated but they're genuine they're genuine tears and he's just very passionate about clay because you can't you can't predict when it's going to happen because i've seen a preview of tomorrow night show where they're making the clocks you know which some of them are amazing but you know i didn't expect him to cry at the tent that was made into a clock 
Well, there you go. I know. I mean, especially because I think uh, Keith and Rich, the other wonderful judge, they just know so much about clay in a way that, you know, someone like me just wouldn't appreciate. They appreciate the really small bits of detail and the hard work that's gone into uh, any of the makes that the potters do. So, yeah, exactly that. Sometimes tears will come from really quite left field. <laughs> and presumably, you know, you got the call, here's a gig, and you thought, yeah, all right, I'll do that. But uh, how quickly do you become invested? How quickly do you start to care about these contestants? Um, very quickly, surprisingly, I think. I think, with, I mean, on the first day, by the end, I'm, I'm rubbish at names, absolutely rubbish at names. But by the end of the first day, I'd easily learned 12 potters' names because I'd spoken to them all. I'd learned about, you know, where they come from, their families, why they were doing the show. Um, they're just, honestly, it's such a lovely bunch of people. I think pottery, I don't know, as, as an art is, I don't know, it just seems to attract lovely people. And again, the viewers seem to be so lovely. The whole thing is just so sort of kind-hearted and uncynical. It's such a lovely show to be a part of. And when you're going round the room on day one and you're meeting them all, do you, even before you see a single bit of pottery, in your head are you going, loser, winner? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I can't, I'm sure we made predictions, or I certainly did, because I'm nosy and like getting involved at the beginning, but I don't think I picked. I don't think I picked. No, I didn't, actually. I know I thought one person was going to win, and that person did not win. Oh, so, so you know the winner already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean... I mean, yes. I don't, what's annoying is I watched episode two, which goes out tomorrow night at 7.45 on Channel 4. And I think, you know, and because it's such a clever show, you do become immediately invested and want to know. They cut off the bit where uh, they send somebody home. So I still don't know who goes home tomorrow oh, night. Oh, right. Well, you'll have to watch, Graham, like everybody else. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I feel like throwing pottery. <laughs> <laughs> I spent 50 minutes of my life. Where? Who's going home? Uh, so, uh, so, so, how many episodes do you do before uh, Siobhan hobbles back into the uh, place? She does hobble back in. Um, so, yes, I do six by myself, and then seven is lovely because we do a handover between us. So, I sort of fill her in about all the potters. And then uh, Siobhan does eight and nine, and then I pop back. I pop back for the final where I cry almost as much as Keith does. So, um, that was lovely. <laughs> And it seems a cruel location for someone with a broken leg. It's a lot of stairs. <laughs> it's the worst location. Gladstone Pottery in Stoke is absolutely beautiful. But, you know, an old pottery, it's a cobbles galore. You couldn't ask for a worse surface. So, yes, there was, there was a lot of, you know, there was lots of wheelchairs and practice runs with the wheelchair to make sure Siobhan could get about. Um, but she did very well. She really did. And how was she by the final? Was she kind of up and walking again? She was on crutches, but yeah, much better than when, when she first came back. So yeah, she did. She was, she was very brave. She was very stoic. Very stoic. Stoic mm. and stoke. So you do the presenting, but you've also done, actually, I see you were, in, you were in Ted Lasso. Yes, yes. Very exciting. Have what you seen a, it, Graham? Do you know what? I've seen, I think I saw the first episode and I, I guess I didn't like feel good. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just thought, you know what? Good, good for you, good for everybody. But I mean, you can't argue with the success. It's huge. Absolutely can't. No, and I think, especially in the states, I don't think it's it's big over here. But in the states, it's just another level. I think so. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing thing to to be a part of. I feel very very lucky to be a little small part of it. And do you kind of do you still try to keep the acting going, or because of the stand up and presenting, presumably that's hard to kind of find the time to do the acting. 
Yeah, I do a bit of everything, which is wonderful. But it is, it, there's, it's a juggle. It is a juggle, Graham. Um, but I feel very fortunate that I can do such a variety of things. Um, and each week, my, you know, each week my diary is so randomly odd, uh, uh, you know, mixing different sort of different disciplines. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm doing it all and more again this year of, of, a, sort of bits of everything, really. And your first book, My Child and Other Mistakes, came out in uh, 2020. Big, big hit. Uh, are you doing more writing? Um, I would love to, but again, it's time, isn't it? I mean, as you'll know, it takes it takes a flipping long time to write a book. I hadn't quite appreciated how long. Yes, it's it hard. Takes. Even even if you do a botch job at a book, it takes a long it takes a long time to write a bad book. <laughs> Never mind right, a good book. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I would love to write novels like you do, but I can't. I did my one was all about having a child, and it was um, nonfiction. But the idea of a novel and the planning involved in that just blows my mind so one day i mean fingers crossed there's another you know three or four month lockdown graham <laughs> every cloud uh, and then i might bosh a bad book out but um yeah i'd need some time but one day i'd love to write another book yeah all right ellie well look good luck with the rest of the great pottery throwdown i didn't say that because you've done it all now so it's you know it's it's it is what it is but it is. uh it, but it is a lovely show you do look like you're having a very nice time <laughs> Very nice. Sorry if it's too feel good for you. No, too oddly, <laughs> oddly because they they kick people out and people have disasters. Oh. Uh, there's a, there's enough there's enough sadness and horror, and then there's sobbing Pete in the corner. So I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I'm so pleased. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> All right. Take care, Savelli. Really good to talk Cheers. to you. Bye, 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 bye. Still to come, we have the return of Saturday Night Dinner. We'll be joined by director Joe Wright, who's talking about his latest film, Cyrano, and the gorgeous Claire Sweeney will be filling us in on the UK tour of Dolly Parton's 9 to 5, The Musical. But first, we've waited and waited months for the return of this. Guess. The, uh... Uh, the um... Guest. Guest. Yeah. People are now going to try and guess the name the name of this voice. I have a trouble remembering lyrics just in general. I remember jams. I remember the tunes. But do you remember the one with, that you did that goes like, it's just you singing and piano. And I was like, I love you. I love you. Okay, I think I know it now. I think I know it now. So if I was on the line, I might win the Graham Norton with Waitrose gift box, uh, which is a uh, reusable cup, uh, champagne, truffles, uh, balsamic vinegar, all sorts of gorgeous things. Uh, first caller on the line is Louise. Hello, Louise. Oh, hello, Graham. Yeah, you're on, you're on. Hey, it's happening. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> Where are you, Louise? I'm in London, Tufnell Park. Okay, lovely. And uh, any plans for this sunny Sunday? I'm going for a walk to Highgate Village with my friend Kelly, and then we're going to plan my birthday celebrations, which are next Sunday. Oh, next Sunday. Okay, well, you could always save you for a very cheap thrill. You could text in, and we'll give you a birthday shout-out on the show. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you'll be able to celebrate using the champagne that's in your gift box from Waitrose. Let's find out. Oh, uh, who, do you, so. who do you think that voice belongs to? It's Jack Black. Let's see if you're right. You are! You are correct! No, because I thought, I thought it was Jack Black. And then when you said Jack Black, I thought, oh, the first person can't be right. But you are right. That's brilliant. Uh, so you're, Thank you. you're, you're getting it all. The champagne, the truffles, everything. It's all for oh, you. how exciting. I can use that for my birthday celebration. Yes, you can. Uh, have you got a plan for your birthday yet? Or has this all been happening with Kelly on your walk? It's going to be all worked out with Kelly on my walk. Okay. Because well, I like to celebrate my birthday for the whole of the month. So I've got to 
put a few things into place. Is it a big birthday, Louise, or just... No, no, it's not. But I think as you get old, you should just keep celebrating as much as you can. (laughs) If if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Is, Uh, Is there anyone else you'd like to say hello to apart from Kelly? I'd just like to say hello to all my family who are listening and to anybody else who knows me. And we absolutely love your show, Graham. Oh, it's very kind of you. Yeah, well, you're a winner, baby. Well done. Yes, the uh, the Waitress Gift Box will be winging its way to you. Congratulations, Eloise, and happy birthday for next weekend. Take care now. Thanks very much, Graham. All right. Bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. It is time to be my first guest of the day. Uh, you'll know her as an actor from uh, Brookside, Clocking Off, Mersey Beat, as the host of 60 Minute Makeover and a panellist on Loose Women. Now she's back on the stage starring in 9 to 5, the musical. It is Claire Sweeney. Hello, Claire. Hello, Graham. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm oh, very well. You, are you, I mean, so you hit the stage, it's the 13th. When is that? Thir- is that next Thursday? Th- Next Thursday. So I started, I finished pantomime on Sunday, started rehearsals Monday. And I told my nine to five, it's felt like 24 seven. I've been working so hard. <laughs> That's so happened. much to learn, Graham. So much to learn. Hey, but wh- I'm loving it. Where were you doing panto? I was up north in Liverpool, Southport. And then I came down to London and started Monday morning. But like, presumably you had, you must have been, had you been learning it before you got into the rehearsal room? Yeah, well, I was trying to learn it in the dressing room while being a fairy godmother, very calm. Being a fairy godmother, (laughs) a scouse fairy godmother trying to be this broad American sassy woman, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, multitasking, but, you know, just happy to be working after, like, everything we've been through the last couple of years. I mean, just the joy of getting back on stage and working is it's just been brilliant. It is that weird thing though, isn't it, in, in this industry where it always seems to be feast or famine. <laughs> it's either I'm nothing not... or like, stop giving no. that, I need to stop. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for, no, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. You know what Graham has come? Oh, no, no, you, 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 you go, you go. Well, it, I was a bit, I was thinking, oh my God, okay, at one point, you'll, you'll laugh at this, at one point I thought, well, we're going into a lockdown on the 27th. So I started eating, get, you know, like when these animals eat and store up for the winter, right? <laughs> so I took the script to one side and just took to chocolate and food thinking, we're going to lock down. The show will be postponed. Nothing happened. Then I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I've gained a stone and I don't know me words. I better crack on. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the wardrobe department are going, uh, this is your costume. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what uh, happened to her? <laughs> so, Nine to Five the Musical. Here's the thing, because, I, you know, I know the movie and I've seen the show, but actually yeah. there must be so many people, because it is an old movie now, they haven't seen the movie. So if people don't know well, anything... Do you, do you remember in the 80s, Graham, do you remember the TV series in the 80s? No, I don't remember. There Was, was there a TV don't series? Do you remember... It was a TV series, so it was when the movie came out. The movie came out a bit earlier. Then there was a TV series every Thursday night. I used to watch it, and um, I was obsessed with it. And then I remember going to L.A. in, like, 2008 and seeing all the posters everywhere. They're making a musical of it, and I come back, and I spoke to my friend who's a producer. I said, if ever that comes, I want to be in it. I've got to be in it. Oh, brilliant. And, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it kind of... 
if I passed me because I had to do something else, then when I first went out on tour, they checked an availability. I couldn't do it. And then they got in touch once Louise Redknapp was leaving. They got in touch and said, are you, are you up for it now? And I, I was just thrilled. I mean, it's been on the wish list. So if people don't know it at all, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the story and who you play. OK, I play Violet, who runs the office. It's all based in an office, right? It's in during the 80s, quite misogynist, quite sexist. Um, and there's a glass ceiling for any successful women, any women who are fabulous, you know, can't go any further because it's the old boys club. Um, and Violet, she's a single mom, you know, looking after her son, doing her job. And there's the three characters. There is a Dolly Parton type character in it called Doralee, who's wonderful. There's Stephanie. Then there's Vivian, who plays Judy. Then there's my character. And it's just about dealing with discrimination in the office. Then the women coming out on top and they do kidnap the boss and tie him up. And it's quite funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny. So there's a lot of comedy in it. I mean, and do you know what I didn't appreciate, Graham? I've always known how brilliant Dolly Parton is and loved, you know, her songs, her hits. And, and But when studying this score and learning the music, I've realised what a genius she is. Yeah, She's I'm, so fabulous. Yeah, yeah, I must say, I think when this when this musical came out on Broadway, it was kind of, I think people were a bit snobby about it because it was Dolly Parton. And da, 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 but actually, it's a great score. It's a really good musical score. It's really brilliant. And not only a great score, a great script as well. Very funny moments of pathos, you know. It's got, it's to me, it's the perfect musical. And tell me this: Are, are you all new, or are you the? Are you the no, newbie? Only me. Oh, it's only you. I, do, do you know what I feel like, Graham? I feel like I've jumped on a running machine that's going so fast, <laughs> and I get on it and I do a bit, then I fly off, then I get back on, <laughs> and they're all up and running, you know. So uh, it, it's been, it's been hard, but you know. I remember when I did Shirley Valentine trying to learn that, which was a mammoth learn. I remember Willie Russell saying, it's a big mountain to climb, but the views are very good when you reach the top. Oh, that's a lovely, that lovely? thing to say. And yeah. that's what this job feels like as well, yeah. <laughs> so tell me this, Claire. Obviously, you've done loads of musicals now. You're in the West End of Chicago and Guys and Dolls. You've toured lots of other ones. Um, is that who you were? Were you a musical theatre kid before we got to know you in Brookie? Or did you kind of learn on the job? I started out singing in the social clubs in Liverpool when I was 14. Oh, yeah. uh, on before the bingo and after the butties, you know, it was a real, <laughs> it was a real apprenticeship. And then um, I did the, the old summer seasons and pantos, you know, the summer seasons that went on from like July until November, then panto. And then, so I did all that stuff. Then the cruise ships. And then I kind of, the dream was always to be in musical theatre. That was what I always wanted to do. Went to work on cruise ships. And then I, I kind of landed in Brookside by default, um, and did six years there waiting to get caught out. And then uh, then I did the very first Celebrity Big Brother, which at the time, there'd been nothing like that on telly. There'd been no, I dance, I strictly, no jungle. There was nothing like that. And it was for comic relief. Yes. And it really, yeah, it really propelled my career, Graham. It was fantastic. And I'd, before I went in, I'd auditioned for Chicago, and um, when it came out, obviously my profile had gone through the roof, and I got the part of Roxy Hart, and that was it. Then, wow! I was, I, I was. Did you win? Did you win that Celebrity Big Brother? No, it was Jack D. Oh yes, 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 yes. Jack D. But but I come out, and it, my career. I mean, it was like you know overnight success for sixteen years of hard work. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was. 
every dream came true coming out of there. I mean, it wouldn't happen now because it's so um, cynical and, you know, there's so much of it now. But the way it propelled my career was phenomenal. But also, isn't it funny the way I, I remember Robbie Coltrane was talking about he thought he was famous and then he did Cracker and, realized, and went, oh, no, now I'm famous. <laughs> and you, you must have been what, the same. What? You must have been the same where, like, you know, you were in Brookside. You thought you were very, very famous, and then which you were. But then I guess that Celebrity Big Brother just catapulted you in a, in a different level. But there's also a difference as well of being known as Lindsay. And Lindsay was a bit hard-nosed you know she sometimes she wasn't very pleasant so kind of not being quite liked and known as Lindsay then being known as yourself it, it was a different thing really and was but that I feel, I feel... Go on. no I was just gonna say did that I mean it seemed like it came easily to you but I guess you know because they're filming you 24 hours a day you have to be yourself but when you came out was it then easy to be Claire Sweeney and to do things like Lou Suman and stuff like that. Did you enjoy being yourself and presenting 60-minute makeover and things? Well, do you know what was lovely? Not having to learn lines. <laughs> like, you know, with Brookside, like, you know what it's like, Graham, going home and learning 10 scenes a night. To suddenly just go out and, like, sit and chat and have a cup of tea. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> yeah, it's weird going to a job thinking, what do I need to bring? Oh, nothing. Just me. Just nothing. Need, yeah, I just, just read the papers on the way in and have a cup of tea and you're done. <laughs> I just need to show up. Uh, yeah. If only, if only that was 9 to 5. But no, no. A, lo a lot of work in uh, 9 to 5 The Musical. There's a huge high energy show, uh, but it is such a good yeah. night. I've seen it a couple of times and loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank uh, you. Oh, that's good. Uh, so let's have a great time. You start this Thursday, enjoy it, South End, and then touring around the country, Manchester on the 5th of March. If you're looking for tickets or information about where the tour is going to be going, you go to 9, the number. 9-2-T-O the number 5 themusical.co.uk and you can find all the dates and ticket information there Claire Sweeney good luck to you Happy New Year thanks for joining us take care of yourself Thank you Graham all Bye bye right. darling Bye Thank bye bye, bye bye The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose you can taste when it's Waitrose Virgin Radio Time to meet our second guest of the day. Uh, he's one of our most successful directors with films under his belt, like Atonement, Pride and Prejudice, Anna Karenina, The Soulless Pan, Darkest Hour. And now he returns with a musical romance, Cyrano. Uh, his name is Joe Wright, and he's joining us now. Hello, Joe. Hello, Graham. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I'm very well. Good, good, good. Uh, congratulations on this beautiful film. It's just Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Um, the the stage show. Um, so, I, am I right that your partner was in the stage show? That's why you went to see it. Is that how this happened? That's correct. Um, Haley uh, invited me up to a little workshop production they were doing in Connecticut, and I saw her and Peter Dinklage together playing Cyrano and Roxanne, and was stunned by the immediacy and emotional power of their connection and asked if I could make a movie of it. Oh, right. So th this was your idea. They didn't kind of tug your sh sleeve and go, Joe, would you, would you like to? <laughs> no, no, no. I had to ask that. I had to ask Hayley first and then she gave me permission to ask uh, <laughs> Pete and, and uh, the writer, Erica. And were you not tempted to get involved in the stage production? Have you ever directed the stage? Yeah, a couple of times. I've done a couple of shows at the Young Vic Theatre. Um, 
we did um, The Life of Galileo uh, with the Chemical Brothers doing the music. And, um, and then I also did um, uh, a play about Patrice Lumumba with Chiwetel Ejiofore. Oh, wow. Um, so the look of this film is so, I mean, the art direction and the setting is just gorgeous. I don't know where Bergerac is, <laughs> but I'm guessing it doesn't look like this. Where did you film it? How did you decide on the, the style of the, the film? Well, the original is set in 1640 in Paris, um, but we were shooting during COVID lockdown. And so we couldn't uh, go to Paris and we couldn't replicate Paris anywhere else. Uh, so we went to a little town called Notto in Sicily, which is this kind of Baroque masterpiece built in the early 18th century and uh, and and created a bubble there, locked down uh, ourselves there and uh, and made a film with this in- incredible ci- city as our backdrop. Oh, well, I'm surprised because it looks almost like North African. It, it's so kind of or is that just the kind of the way you've shot it? No, I mean, I guess I guess Sicily is quite close to North Africa, really. There's a lot of North African um, uh, sort of uh, imagery there and, and, and reference there. And in terms of the, the stage show and to the film, how much did it change? Did you kind of uh, rework the script and the way the songs were used and things like that? Absolutely. We spent a couple of years uh, adapting it for the screen. Um, and it changed considerably. I mean, I think that the, the theatre version was very, very pared down um, and and simple. Um, and we were able to give it a, a lot more scope uh, in the cinema. The war scene certainly uh, had a, a, a much bigger scale. Um, but the songs also, we, we retooled often, wrote a couple of new songs for it um and made sure that the songs are constantly moving the story forward um i guess in the theater it can be a little bit more like a concert whereas in a film it has to constantly move the the story forward and did you <laughs> did you fall back on any of your early skill set because you am i right that you you started off doing music videos didn't you no, I started off trying to do music oh, videos. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but um, all my mates were doing music videos and I thought that I should as well. Uh, but I was making short films about my dad dying and stuff like that. So that wasn't very kind of commercial for, for record companies. So I really, uh, I helped out on other people's music videos. I was quite lucky really, because I feel like if I had got into that world, I would have made some money and... And then I would have um, uh, got comfortable, but luckily I was broke and 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 sort of it took me much longer. And and therefore I got into TV uh, drama um, uh, through Kathy Burke, um, and then and then went on to do uh, features. It is interesting that thing is that the you know the road not taken because if you'd got music videos and commercials, I guess yeah you're right. You'd have just been going oh I bought a house now and life's life's good. <laughs> I think that happens to a lot of people, you know, you, you, you kind of give up on, on certain dreams when you start earning money. And uh, so I was lucky, you know, it didn't feel lucky at the time. <laughs> and we should say it's because it, I feel so sorry for you guys <laughs> just being messed around by COVID uh, because there are lots of posters in London saying it's out, but it's actually out on the 25th of February. Is that correct? That's correct. We had to move it back a little bit for the um, Omicron variant to pass. Yeah. I mean, are you involved in a decision like that or do they just tell you, oh, by the way, it's not coming out then? 
Um, no, they do involve me a bit, actually. They've been great. And, uh, and you know, I think it's best for the film. I hope people will be back at the cinemas by then. Yeah, it's just, I feel to you, you know, because, you know, Peter Dinklage was on my show on New Year's Eve. He's on the cover of the Culture magazine and Sunday Times Today. And, you, kind of, you know, everyone's geared up for it coming out. And then, no, it must be so difficult to make those decisions. Yeah, it is. And um, and Hollywood keeps on talking. Hollywood's new word is pivot. Um, everything is pivoting. <laughs> oh, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, we've got to pivot. We've got to we've got to pivot on this. Um, uh, so. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the, the, the catch word of the moment. <laughs> and have you fallen in love with musicals now? Might you do another one? I don't know. I mean, I. If if I like the music, yeah, I, I I'm not that keen on a lot of musicals music, you know. Um, uh, so I guess if I like the music enough, I mean, I love the music for for cabaret and and uh, some of those movies. I I'm not so sure about some of the the others. And certainly, the romance element is something that you really resonate with. That is kind of featured in so many of your movies. Yeah, I like love. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I think it. I think you know it how we love and how we love each other um, and how we're afraid of love, it says so much about us as human beings. So it kind of is a great way of of thinking and looking at, at who we are. And are you working on something at the moment or is kind of your, is the world kind of shut down for you at the, at the moment? At the moment, it's kind of shut down. There's a film I hope to make towards the end of the year. Um, uh, but as of now, um, we're just focusing on this. <laughs> on getting getting through, get, getting getting through. getting it out there, getting it into the cinemas. Come on, everybody! <laughs> oh please, yeah. Because <laughs> when did you when did you actually when was it ready? When was it finished? It was finished actually not that long ago. It was finished in August. So um, oh, that's but so, that's not bad. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'd um, Jessica Chastain was on the show a, a year later, still talking about the same film. <laughs> That's miserable. I don't think I that. That's just miserable. Yeah, I don't think she remembered much about it, to be honest. No, no, she's probably made about five films since. <laughs> uh, Cyrano, it's absolutely gorgeous. It is out in cinemas on the 25th of February. I really hope people go and see it because it, it is a really special thing. Congratulations on, on making something so beautiful, Joe Wright. Thank you, Graham Norton. It's lovely to talk to you. All right, take care of yourself, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. Bye. And it's back. Saturday night dinner. Three questions and up to three courses of dinner to be won. So let's see how our player got on. And on the line, who could be the winner, is Fenella. Hello, Fenella. Hello, Fenella. Uh, hello, Graham. And, um, <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year to you. Um, and where are you, Fenella? So I'm in rainy uh, Northamptonshire. Uh, sat on the back step so I can avoid disrupting uh, four lovely Labradors who are keen to speak to you as well. <gasps> four of them? I mean... Four. D- d- did you mean to have four? Was that an intentional? Yeah. So the the one to two is unintentional. When when you get to two, any more really doesn't matter. Just so yes. we, I, <laughs> I love Labradors, so I wanted one of every colour. Um, and so we have uh, Rupert, who is a fox red, Moose, who is chocolate. Uh, we have Bean, who's black. And then we have Walter Wolf, who is uh, yellow. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, you've got, I mean, um, lovely. It's like the Benetton of dogs. It's very, very nice. 
the house doesn't look like Benetton, though. No, we have to, we have two cats as well, Eric and Ernie, the feline comedy duo who rule the house. They actually own the house, really. Wow, yeah, but there's no point cleaning that house, really, is there? Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> like tumbleweed and to be honest with you if you close your eyes a little bit you can't see it no and also it'll be back in a second you know so what's the point yeah you yeah. turn the hoover around and it's back in a second but yeah it's fine we just kind of comb the carpet <laughs> and then plat it uh, yes. now vanilla vanilla uh, how are you how are you on uh, music trivia do you think you'll be okay in this quiz well for the fear of putting the sort of um, uh, like The Apprentice, where they go, I'm really good. I think I've got a basic knowledge, to be okay. honest with you. Okay, good. So we'll give it a go. Okay, all right. Uh, here we go. Now, I should uh, tell you, Fenella, that uh, in light of it being, you know, vegan and everything, we've got the all the uh, dishes today come from the Vegan Plant Life range, okay? Fabulous. I know. Are you a vegan <laughs> by any chance? I'm not. Um, uh, so, so... <laughs> And I'm actually on quite a strict diet, so I'm, I'm basically feeding my husband with this. So, you know, it's, the marriage is to play for, to be honest with you. OK, are you on nil by mouth? Is it that sort of strict diet? <laughs> no, no, I'm doing um, uh, the one-to-one diet. It's one of those sort of um, pack replacement things. Um, but it, it's really good. I've, I've, well, I've done it for the first week of January and lost half a stone, so I'm quite pleased about that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a long way to go, trust me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to be a, a good role model for my patients because I'm a GP, and so I, I think... You know, there's lots of them that are embarking on diets, and and so I'm going to go with them. Well done, Nick. I must say, because if you go into a GP and they look very unhealthy, <laughs> your your heart does not, sink no, slightly. No. We're, we're probably the worst people, really, because we're just sat there. Um, obviously, <laughs> if you read the Daily Mail, we play golf. That's all we do, really. So, um, you know, we we need to uh, up our game, really, to be okay. a, a role model. <laughs> you need this vegan dinner. Okay, here we go. As a course one, course one is a rainbow vegetable fritters. They're fried vegetable fritters made with red pepper, carrots, spinach, and cauliflower in a crispy tempura batter with spices. Sounds delicious. Okay, yeah, to win them, to win them, you will need to answer this question. It's multiple choice, so you're all right. Okay. 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 Which Brit pop band had a 1994 hit with Park Life? Was it A, Pulp, B, Blur, C, Suede? Okay, the hit was Park Life. Who was it? B, Blur. Are you right? You are! Well done. So, (laughs) yes, you've got the rainbow vegetable fritters. We're good, we're good. Okay, main course is up next. This is a tikka masala with vegetable and cashew. It's a mix of char-grilled vegetables and mildly spiced coconut cream and tomato sauce with cashew nuts served with pilo rice. Uh, Okay, Mm. to uh, win this, you need to answer this question. Which legendary British singer recorded Life on Mars? A, David Bowie. B, Tom Jones. C, Liam Gallagher. A, David Bowie, the great, the late, sadly. And you're correct again. Well done. You've got the tikka masala with vegetable and cashew. So you've got two courses. Now, this is the one, really. This is, I mean, even you are allowed a little cheat day on this. This is Plant Life chocolate ice cream. It's a rich and creamy non-dairy chocolate ice cream made with oats, coconut and dark chocolate powder. I mean, you could eat that, couldn't you? Yeah. Hello, that's yeah. mine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You probably lose weight eating it. That's that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Well, bending down to the fridge to get it out. 
Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> if you put it right at the back of the fridge, uh, you'll have to lean in. Yeah, all sorts of exercise. Okay, which of the following was a hit for Dire Straits? Dire Straits. Okay, was it A, Life's What You Make It, B, What Is Life, or C, Walk of Life? Oh, that's C, Walk of Life. You are correct! Fenella in Northamptonshire. Dr. Fenella, you have done very well. You've got an entire uh, meal. You won everything. You won the, the vegetable fritters, you won the tikka masala, and you won the chocolate ice cream. Woohoo! Well done. I didn't done. need to go to Waitrose this morning. It was I was on my way to Waitrose <laughs> listening to you when you put the thing in. So I thought, oh, I'll do that. What a waste. I've got to go back. <laughs> you do, to claim your goodies. Uh, is there anyone you'd like to say hello to apart from the dogs on the uh, the radio while you're here? Well, I'd like to um, basically say hello to all my NHS colleagues. You're doing amazing things and uh, just stay strong. To all my uh, guys and gals at the Weavers Medical Centre where I'm a doctor and all the guys and gals at ICASH in Peterborough Sexual Health Clinic where I work as well. And uh, all my family, my husband, Jeff, dogs, cats and anyone else who knows me. Well, well done. That was that was very, very, very good, Fenella. And you have the... made my 2022, I have to say. I'm just so thrilled to speak to you. I love love your programme. It's kept us going through the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, and I love your books as well. Oh, Thank that's you. so kind of you, Fenella. Listen, it's been a joy to talk to you as well. And congratulations on all your vegan goodies. Take care of yourself now. Happy New Thank Year. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Uh, bye. 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 Well, that's the first one of the year done. What a weekend. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can hear a new episode of the best of bits from the show from Monday morning. Speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.